Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path, where we share a modern take on timeless wisdom to help you develop unshakable inner peace so that you can live a liberated life. I'm your host, Victor Pierantoni, founder, head coach, and trainer over at Zen Stoic. Be sure to follow me on social at victor.zenstoic for updates, content, and to ask me directly your most important questions. Let's get into the show. So I'd like to start this episode by sharing one of my favorite stories. Now, this is a story that I love using in coaching because it really creates a breakthrough with anyone who's hearing it for the first time. And if this is not your first time hearing it, it's always a good reminder. So once upon a time, there were these two monks who were traveling around looking for the best monastery they could find so that they may reach enlightenment. And so these monks were extremely strict about their practice. There was an older monk and a younger monk. Now the younger monk was all about doing everything perfect. He was all about doing all of his practices, his meditations, all with total flawlessness. Whereas the older monk was all about really focusing in on being the best person that he could be through his practice. And they both were so committed to their practice that they vowed a life of celibacy in order to show their commitment. And so one day they were crossing through a forest with a very choppy river. And standing next to the river, there was this beautiful woman in a silk dress. The two monks looked at each other and then without hesitation, the older monk gestured to the woman to pick her up and carry her and she accepted. So he brought her across the river and he put her down. And then they all went their separate ways. And as the monks were traveling, for hours and hours, the younger monk was just stewing in what he had just seen because he was really committed to this vow of celibacy and not even looking a woman in the eye. And yet the older monk had picked her up and he's just, he's sitting there and he's just getting really frustrated because he doesn't understand what's happening. He doesn't understand what's going on and all this emotion is welling up in him. And that experience of frustration is very much like the other story of the three monks meditating at the pond. <clears throat> now, the story of the three monks meditating at the pond is interesting because there are three monks, they're meditating at a pond that's just outside of their living quarters. And one of them jumps up and he's like, I forgot my extra robes. I need to run in and get them. So he runs across the water and he gets them and he comes back. And then the second monk goes, I've forgotten my journal. And he runs across the water and he grabs his journal and he comes back. And so the third monk is like, how are they running across water? And so he gets up and he's like, all right, that doesn't matter. If they can do it, I can do it too. I'm just as enlightened as they are. So he, guts, so he gets up and he goes to run across the water and he falls directly into the water, getting his robes soaked. And he gets up again and he's frustrated. He's like, okay. I'll get it this time. So he goes and he tries to do it again and he falls in the water again. And he's even more angry, even more frustrated now. And he gets up again. He tries to run across the road. He falls in again. And the two monks look at each other because in that moment, they realized that they knew something that he didn't that was about to change everything for him. And that's the thing, right? The awareness that we have is what allows us to move further in life. So the awareness that we get sometimes is from our own experience and sometimes it's from asking somebody who knows more than us. Just like the student who went to the martial arts master and said to him, master, I would like to master your martial art. How long will it take me to become an expert? And the master said, 10 years. And so the student, he thought he was a little creative and he said, okay, well, if I work twice as hard, I train twice as long and I show up twice as much as everyone else, then how long will it take me to master? And so the master starts to ponder at his question. And now the student gets really excited because he's like, okay, good. He's thinking about it. He's going to give me the secrets that nobody else gets because they didn't ask this kind of question. Masters are master not just because they have the skills, but because they also have the lessons, the insights that they've gained over the years, just like the old archery master. 
Now, what's interesting about this story is that the old archery master was hanging out during a competition in the local town. And this young, really talented archer was shooting bullseye after bullseye. And then he shot a bullseye and then he shot another arrow that split his bullseye. And knowing of the older archery master that everybody knew in the town, he looked over at him and he said, you think you can beat that old man? And the old archery master looked at him and said, hmm, let's go up the mountain. So the old archer master leads the young archer up the mountain. And then they get to the point on the mountain where there's a shaky log acting as a bridge between two cliffs. So the old man walks in the log with perfect balance, draws his bow, and then shoots a perfect shot at a faraway tree. And then walks back. And he says to the young archer, he says, okay, your turn. And the young archer was so scared and he could barely even get on the log. And then finally he jumped off and he said, no, I, I, I can't do it. And in that moment, the old man was about to give him the advice that would change his life forever. So what I find fascinating about all of these stories is that there's this element of mastery and then this element of effort. Now, if you think about it, many people will give the advice that if you work hard, you'll get what you want. But the thing is that advice is extremely short-sighted because hard work is not the only thing that will get us what we want. Have you ever had the experience where you worked really hard on something and still didn't get the result? Or have you ever had the experience where you worked so hard on something because you were so committed and then you ended up burning yourself out? What if there was a way for you to work on your goals and pursue what was most important in your life without burning out and instead feeling energized and fulfilled? Welcome to Integral Effort. This is a continuation of our Zen Stoic Eightfold Path series. Now, right effort, as it was talked about in the Eightfold Path, was this idea of moving at the going speed. In other words, having a level of effort that was sustainable forever. So the, the original right effort was this whole idea of exerting oneself to create wholesome states and to remove unwholesome states from their life. Now, part of this was also exerting a level of effort that was essentially the going speed, something that somebody could keep steady ongoing. When we put effort into something, it's really important that we don't just work hard for the sake of hard work itself or that we don't work so hard that we end up burning ourselves out. The example that I always like to give my clients through coaching sessions is that when you're trying so hard, when you're trying to move so fast and put all of your energy and effort into something, you end up burning yourself out. Now, one analogy I like to use in coaching is it's very much like baking a cake. If you were going to bake a cake and you put it in the oven, you said to yourself, you know what? I'm going to bake this cake faster and I'm going to bake it better by turning the oven up to 500 degrees. Would your cake come out better? No, you'd end up burning the cake. So what's important to remember here is that the right amount of effort for that cake or the right amount of heat would be the 350 degrees that's typically recommended. It wouldn't be turning it up to 500 degrees in hopes of making it faster. So why do we do this with ourselves? This is where integral effort comes into play because integral effort is all about being totally intentional. So there's this idea that's really important and we're gonna revisit this theme for a moment of cause and effect. Now, when you are at the cause of your life, you are in the driver's seat, you are in charge. You are essentially saying that you're responsible for all of your decisions, conscious and unconscious, that brought you to this moment right now. So it's taking full responsibility so that you have the ability to respond. When you're at the effect, you're in the passenger seat. You're always looking for permission in life to make your next decision, to make your next move. You're essentially looking for validation from the external world to validate your decisions or to give you permission to make decisions. So these are two very different mindsets that we're able to operate from moment to moment. And it's always a choice. We can choose to be at the cause or we can choose to be at the effect of our life. Now, when we're thinking about being at the cause or being at the effect, if we are not 100% at cause, but maybe 
80 or 90% at cause, then we're not going to get the result. We're going to take ourselves off course. Very much like how if a airplane is just a few degrees off of its destination, then it will actually end up hundreds of miles away from where it was intended to go if it does not course correct. Just like that, cause must be 100%. And at every moment, this is a choice for us to be 100% at cause. If we're not 100% at cause, if we're even 98% at cause, then we're not going to get the result. We're going to take ourselves off course because any little bit that we give to being at the effect, to being not responsible, is power that we're actually giving away. So our power cannot be taken from us. Our sovereignty cannot be taken from us. It must be given away. And we typically will give our power to one of three things. Either we give our power to outside circumstances, which would be events or the time that we have or the amount in our bank account. We allow those things to dictate our decisions or we give our power away to other people, right? What other people might think if uh, other people are going to give us the permission to do something. And if we defer power to other people, then we are once again going into the effect. And the other place that we give away power to get out of being at cause is actually we give it to stories about ourselves, falsehoods about ourselves that are not actually true. And we might call these limiting beliefs, right? If you're about to start a business and you're, you go into giving your power away to a story about yourself, maybe you say something like, well, I, I don't know, I'm not good with money or I'm not good with sales or I'm not good with people or I'm not good with numbers, right? Any of those, whether or not they're true, if we're using them to actually give our power away, then we're putting ourselves at the effect. So at any one moment, if we're going to have integral effort, we want to be at the cause of our lives. Now, what's really important about being at cause is it brings up this concept that a mentor of mine shared with me, my mentor, Scott Jackson of NLP Freedom. He shared this idea with me, which is intentionality versus mechanism. And the question becomes, how much stock do you put in intentionality and how much stock do you put in mechanism whenever you have a goal or result that you seek to actualize? So when I say that, what do you think the answer is? Is it 50-50? Is it 70-30? What do you think it is? The answer to this is actually 100% intentionality, which I know you hear that and you might think to yourself, well, there's got to be some kind of a mechanism to get results. I'm like, yes, that's true. But the idea is to focus 100% of the intentionality in yourself, into the realm in which you can control. Remember, as Epictetus described the dichotomy of control, there are things in your power that you can control and things outside of your power which you cannot control. And so it is up to us to focus on what we can control and let go of what we cannot. Mechanisms or ways of doing things, resources, tools, technologies, these exist outside of us. And if we start to rely on things outside of us, we start to see them as separate from us and we create emotional attachment to the mechanism of how to do something. Now, when we get lost in the how, whenever we have a vision or a goal, we end up actually creating a state of uncertainty, a state where we actually go into the effect. And the reason why we do that is because we're relying on something outside of ourselves as a means of giving us permission to actually get the result. Instead, when you put yourself at cause and you are 100% intentional, what you're doing is you're putting your focus totally on what you can control. So it doesn't mean that mechanism is important. It means that you bring the focus back to you. What can I do right now? What actions can I take? Now, what's interesting about this idea of intentionality versus mechanism is that when you're 100% intentional, it puts you at the cause and it empowers you totally and completely in any endeavor or any result that you're going after. Now, how do you know that you're at cause? Either you have the result that you want or you're in 
the middle of taking action on the result that you want. You're moving towards it. When you're at the effect, you have reasons for why you don't have the result. And typically, those reasons are about the mechanism to get the result, right? I didn't have the time. I didn't have the money. I didn't know the right people, right? These are all mechanisms that help us get to the result. But the real ability to actually create a result in our lives begins with us being at cause and being totally empowered to take the actions that are within our control so that we may move a little further. So the way that this lines up with Zen Stoic philosophy is really interesting because we talk about the intentions and delusions of Zen Stoic. Now, we talked about this in our episode on integral intention, but we'll revisit it again today because this is something that's really important for us to understand when it comes to being intentional in our lives. Now, I'll review the intentions and delusions right now just so that they're fresh in your mind. So first and foremost, what are intentions and delusions? So intentions and delusions are ways of being, ways that we operate in the world. And typically, they are the ways in which we fail to question. Now, the reason why I came up with the intentions and delusions framework is because in Stoicism, there are the four virtues, which is wisdom, justice, courage, and temperance. Now, Stoicism essentially espouses that while we cannot control what has happened to us, we can control how we respond, and we can respond with any one of those four virtues in any moment. And this is what it is to be a good human and to align with nature. Now, that is a very empowering framework. And at the same time, we can always act externally in a way that adheres to those four virtues. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to create inner peace. So when I thought about this from the Zen Stoic lens, I thought to myself, okay, well, if a person is going to create liberation, if they're going to create inner peace internally, which is a prerequisite to liberation, how can they do it? And then I asked myself, I said, okay, well, looking at it through the Zen Stoic lens, if our aim is liberation and part of liberation is to have inner peace, then what dictates that? How would we have inner peace? Because if we do and say all the right things in life, that doesn't necessarily equate to us having inner peace. And so what is it that is the make or break? And then I realized it was internal. The one thing that we can lie to everyone else, but we can't lie to ourselves about are our intentions. And so Zen Stoic philosophy has the intentions and delusions framework. And there are four pair bonds of intentions and delusions. Now these are, like I said before, ways of being, things that we don't even feel to. These are not beliefs. These are not principles. These are ways of being, things that we do to simply operate in the world. So the first pair bond of intentions and delusions is embrace versus resistance. Embrace is to totally embrace the reality around you, to love what is, to embody what Friedrich Nietzsche would call amor fati, which is the love of fate, not to simply bear your existence while gritting your teeth, but to actively love your fate and exactly the cards that you've been dealt embraces to play with the cards that you have, not the ones that you wish you had. Because we don't play a game of cards any better by comparing our cards to other people's or wishing that we had cards. We can't play with cards that we wish we had or that are not in our hand. We can only play with what we have. And so that is what it is to live with an intention of embrace. It is essentially loving what is and actively accepting what is so that you may be totally present in the moment now. It is not necessarily adhering to old rules and dogmas that you've had, but it's responding to the now with a sense of embrace and openness, whereas resistance would be the opposite. Resistance is essentially arguing with reality, wishing you were different, wishing things were different, not adhering with nature. It's like Marcus Aurelius said in the book Meditations when he was talking about the ways that the human soul degrades itself. 
if we are become angry at nature, if we get angry at anyone, it's kind of a secession from nature. It's like a separation from nature because we're assuming that something that we are somehow separate. And that at the end of the day is the illusion of the ego is because we perceive ourselves to be separate from all that is. And when we perceive ourselves to be separate, it's very easy for us to actually have resistance. It's easy for us to wish that we were different or to wish that things were different because we feel isolated from it. So if we have an intention to resist something or to fight reality, then we're going to actually put ourselves into that space of delusion. The second set of intentions and delusions is understanding versus control. We have an intention to understand. We are going in with an open mind. We are thinking inductively versus deductively. If we think inductively, What's important about that is that we are actually going in with a sense of curiosity, with an intention to learn something, with an intention to find out more. Whereas if we go in with an intention to control or the delusion of control, we are going in with an already thought out conclusion. We have already made up our mind of what we believe about the situation. So we're leading with a statement of that. So understanding is leading with questions, curiosity with an intention to learn, whereas control is leading with a conclusion of saying, I already know this and I'm going to corral the evidence that I need to prove my point rather than understanding. And people try to control what they cannot understand. And so when we get into this, what we end up doing is we think deductively. We try to get the information. We have an intention of control. What we're doing is we're thinking deductively. We're leading in with a conclusion. So anything that we perceive in our reality, we use and contort it to fit our narrative, to fit with our conclusion. Whereas understanding is the opposite. It's about finding new information and drawing new conclusions based on that information and consistently asking the question, realizing that we can always learn more. The next set of intentions and delusions is discipline versus expediency. So discipline versus expediency is related to the relationship that we have to our own emotions. Discipline is prioritizing what is meaningful to us, what is most important to us individually. And so when we prioritize what is most important to us, we not only resolve our problems in the now, but we also resolve our problems in the future. We prevent the problems from happening in the future. So when we feel a frustrated or an anxious emotion or an angry emotion, we use it to help us now and in the future. And as we take that discipline to new heights, it doesn't just help us, but it also helps people around us. The frustrations, the pain that we've experienced, we've turned into solutions to problems that don't just solve our problems, but also solve the problems of other people. So when we pursue discipline, it's about being a student to something bigger than yourself and pursuing that which is meaningful, to learning and being that student, being that disciple of something bigger than yourself so that you may solve the problem not just for yourself, but for other people. Solve the problem not just now, but in the future. Whereas expediency is prioritizing gratification over meaning. So it's all about feeling good. It's all about soothing the unpleasant emotion that you might be feeling now rather than taking the time to understand and channel it into something constructive. So expediency can be met with anything. We can build the bridge of expediency with anything in our lives. We can build it with food. Like if we feel bored or we feel lonely, we can go and grab some junk food. We can bridge it with TV. We can bridge it with drugs and alcohol. We can bridge it with sex. We can bridge the gap of expediency in any way that allows us to move from an unpleasant feeling to an okay or a better feeling. And that is how we build that bridge of expediency. And the more we build that bridge of expediency, 
the more we put ourselves into a hypnotic rhythm where it starts to feel like an addiction. It starts to feel really automatic that we're just expedient, that we just, we always try to bypass our emotions. We always try to bypass our negative emotions. That's what it is when we're in a loop of expediency. And the bridge of expediency is not only built with like food, drugs, sex, and alcohol, or the pleasures and passions of life. Expediency can also be built with other emotions. So people can actually feel a state of fear or a state of uncertainty or sadness and then use the emotion of anger to feel back in control to expedite that uncomfortable feeling. So we can even use other emotions to bypass our negative emotions. And this is where it starts to get really granular. But the idea of this is, is that expediency is trying to rush the process. It's trying to just get there as fast as you can without understanding, get from the unpleasant unknown feeling or the uncertainty to the certainty as fast as you can. And that's what expediency is because it's prioritizing the gratification of the soothing of that emotion over the meaning and the understanding and the channeling that emotion into something constructive. And lastly, we have sincerity versus performance. Now, sincerity versus performance, this one is the one that plagued me the most in my life, but this is also where I find the most empowerment when I'm on the side of intentionality. So sincerity is all about speaking your truth, being true to your feelings and your thoughts, and then speaking them out and expressing them in your words and actions. It is prioritizing your self-respect over the appeasement of other people. Whereas performance is the opposite. Performance is prioritizing the narrative that you want other people to know about you or think about you over your own self-respect. So it is acting as something different than you are so that you might get approval or admiration or love from the outside world. It's, it's not being yourself essentially. And when we perform, when we try to put on this mask, when we try to be this thing that we think other people are going to like, we put ourselves into that space of delusion. Now, for me, this was one of the most difficult for me to understand because I was always in that state of performing, always people-pleasing, always being you know, the nice guy for the purposes of getting people to like me, of getting people to approve of me. And then I really started to find my, my sense of power when I started just being sincere. I found my sense of tranquility and, seren and serenity when I started just being sincere, not just with myself, but with other people about what I thought, about what I felt, and I acted in ways of sincerity. So these are the intentions and delusions. And the reason why I bring them up in this episode of integral effort is because integral effort is all about having 100% intentionality. Now, what can happen when we are being intentional is that our intentions can become fragmented. And when they become fragmented, not only do we go into the delusion, but we also go into the effect. So one of my favorite examples of this that I mentioned on the integral speech episode is that when we're speaking, when you, when you hear somebody say that I'm a blunt person, what that person is saying is that they have an intention of sincerity, they're being truthful with you, but they also at the same time are exhibiting the delusion of expediency, possibly the delusion of control by controlling the narrative of what they're saying. And in doing so, their intentionality is fragmented. So even though they're telling the truth and they're being intentional about that, they're being delusional about their delivery. They're saying it in a way that's not necessarily landing with a person, but they're saying it in a way that gets rid of that uncomfortable energy that's within their body immediately. Instead of saying it in a way that's meaningful to not just themselves, but meaningful to the other person in a way that they can interpret it or in a way that understands what the other person might be going through or how the other person might be feeling. So when we have a fragmented intentionality, we violate this idea of integral effort because 
And when we have a fragmented intentionality, we are putting ourselves at the effect of things rather than at the cause. To be at cause, it is important for us to be 100% intentional. So we must check in on all of our intentions. Are we embracing what is in front of us right now? Are we embracing what's going on in the moment? Are we seeking understanding? Are we seeking to learn? Or are we going in with an already pre-thought out conclusion? Are we being disciplined and channeling our unpleasant feelings into something constructive? Or are we just trying to do the thing that feels good and get it off our chest? And are we being sincere? Are we being truthful to who we are? So this is what it is to be totally intentional in all of our actions. And again, moment to moment, just like being at cause is a choice that we make in each moment, being intentional is the exact same thing. And in order for us to be totally at cause, we must be 100% intentional about what we want and what we are intending. Now, in order to be 100% intentional, it's important to also be very aware of what it is that you want, very aware of the result or outcome that you seek. Most of the time, people are unable to be intentional because they lack the awareness of what's actually important to them. And instead, they kind of just default into the expediency of like, I don't feel good about this. I feel stressed about this. So I'm just going to be stressed and I'm just going to act in ways that do that. And so they have very vague ways of asking for things. They have very vague ways of communicating to themselves and others, which this is something that we're actually going to be covering in the next uh, episode in this series when we talk about integral awareness. Integral awareness is about being aware first and foremost about your actual emotions and feelings, what needs that you have, and then how to actually meet those needs, where most of the time people, the reason why they fall into delusion or they fall into the effect is because they're not actually clear about what they want. They're not actually clear about what their outcome is. And they're not even clear sometimes about how they feel. And most of us don't actually feel our own emotions, which is what we're going to be covering in integral awareness, because this is a really important key to this whole idea of being intentional is first and foremost, having that self-awareness built in. We can be totally intentional when we have the self-awareness, when we are very specific about what it is that we seek to create in our reality. And if we don't have that specificity, we make it very difficult. So it's kind of like saying, I want to make more money. I want to make more money is not a statement that is going to allow us to be 100% intentional because it's not very specific, right? We can make a dollar and technically we've made more money, but we're not specific about what we want. So then we could fall into the effect and be like, I'm not making enough money. So that's just one simple example that I've heard hundreds of times over coaching sessions that I've always pointed out because the specificity of what we seek, the specificity of the result that we seek to create is actually an integral part of being totally intentional. So being intentional is checking in on all four of those intentions. Am I, be, am, am I embracing what is? Am I seeking to understand and learn more? Am I channeling any frustrations that I might have into something constructive? And am I being myself? Am I being totally authentic in what I seek and what I want? This will allow you to communicate much more effectively and work much more effectively because if you're very aware of your outcome and you're very aware of the results that you seek, you'll be able to be very intentional about them. If you're vague about them, and you're not totally clear with yourself, or you're not uh, being real with yourself, so to speak, then it is easy to fall into the delusion, easy to fall into the effect, and easy to give all of your power away. That is why when it comes to working hard as a strategy, it's not a very good strategy because it's not very intentional. It's not necessarily pointing to what is most sincere and alive within us that we seek to create. It is not necessarily allowing us to understand. It's kind of just you know, charging through and, and trying to get some kind of an outcome, no matter what it is. So it doesn't actually allow us to be fully intentional. So we want to be totally intentional. And 
pay attention to when our intentions are fragmented. Our intentions are fragmented. We can feel it within us. The way that we can feel it is because we start to go into the effect. So you see how all these things feed into each other. So I'll recap exactly what that, exactly what the structure of this is. So generally speaking, right, high level, we are either at the cause of our lives or at the effect. The way in which that we know we're at cause, we have results or we're currently doing something to move towards the results that we seek. If we're at the effect, we have excuses, justifications, and reasons as to why we don't have the results, and we are indulging those. Now, in order to be 100% at cause, we must be 100% intentional. To be 100% intentional, it, it is a product of embracing the now of what is, accepting the situation that is, as it is. Two, seeking understanding and seeking to learn something. Three, seeking to create something meaningful and putting prioritizing meaning over the gratification that we have. And four, being totally sincere in what it is that we seek to create. Sincere in our expression. Whereas if we're at the side of the effect, we're in delusion. It gets a little bit more granular than that because sometimes it's not always binary. Sometimes it's not just that you're intentional or you're not intentional. Sometimes you're partially intentional, right? You're being sincere, but you're being expedient. You're resisting, but you're also being disciplined at the same time. It's like you want to check in with that and see, and you can feel it in your body, right? Whenever you feel kind of a lack of centeredness or a shakiness in your body or lack of strength or stability, it is very likely that you're in a space of delusion and not a space of intention. And you might not be totally in delusion or you might not totally be in intention. You might be fragmented, in which case you might feel some asymmetry in the body. You might feel you know, partially solid, but also kind of shaky at the same time. So this is where it is to go and check in with yourself. And the question is very simple. What are my intentions here? Am I embracing or am I resisting? Am I understanding or am I trying to control something? Am I being disciplined or expedient? Am I being sincere or performative? Checking in with yourself on these questions will help you to understand the kind of effort that you're putting forward if you're putting effort that is totally intentional and at cause. So this is what it means to have integral effort, to be 100% intentional, not to be relying upon the mechanism because when you are 100% intentional, you will find the right mechanism that will help you get your results. But if you default to the mechanism, you default your, your power to something outside of you, that is when we start to slip into delusion and we slip into being at the effect of our lives and we lose our power, we relinquish our power to actually create the changes that we seek. Taking our power back and practicing integral effort begins with embracing what is. And so as the younger monk began to get really upset, he finally blurted out to the, the older monk, he said, I can't believe you picked up that woman. We vowed a life of celibacy where we were never going to even look a woman in the eye and yet you picked her up and carried her. How do you reconcile that? And the older monk simply said, I put her down at the river. Why are you still carrying her? And as we embrace what is in front of us, it's important for us to dive deeper and learn more. And so as the third monk fell in the water, the other two monks looked over at him and said, did you know that there are stepping stones to get to the house? And as we learn more and more and understand, we realize that hard work isn't what it's all about, that there's more to it. And so as the student waited there in anticipation for the secrets to mastering this martial art, the master simply looked at him and said, it'll take you 20 years to master the martial art if you work twice as hard as everyone else. Because the thing is, it's not just about working hard, but we must be balanced inside in our efforts and at peace with ourselves. And we are not able to do that if we're just trying to perform to the world. So the old archery master said to the young archery, he said, you have great control over your bow, but very little over your mind. Integral effort 
is being totally intentional. It is embracing what is in front of you. It is seeking understanding and seeking to learn. It is prioritizing what is meaningful over what is expedient and is being sincerely and wholeheartedly you. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe and share this with a friend if it helped you today.